Welcome to the Modern Cloister, where we cultivate deeper thinkers and worshipers through conversations about the Christian life, in the same spirit as the community conversations that took place during the Reformation at the Black Cloister, the former monastery and home of Martin Luther and his wife, Katharina von Bora. I'm Carissa, and I'm here with Kevin, and today we're continuing our series on studying the Bible. Since it's the beginning of 2022, we know that this time of year is one where people are often reflecting on the past year and looking ahead to the coming one, which comes with resolutions and goals about how we want to enter into the world in the coming 12 months. Oftentimes with this, people have the goal of reading their Bibles more, which is a wonderful goal and endeavor. And in that spirit, we have put together this series to hopefully help inspire a love of reading the Bible by covering translations, study Bibles, and commentaries through the series. Today we're going to be talking specifically about study Bibles, as we just covered in our last episode, translations. Now, similar to translations, it can often be confusing when you start looking around online for a new Bible, or perhaps you're good with your current Bible but are looking around for maybe a commentary or anything along those lines. It can be really overwhelming when you first start looking. There's so many different types. What is the real difference, you may ask? Does it matter? And what does it mean for you as you're selecting something new? It can quickly become overwhelming, as I've mentioned before. Others of you may not know that there are so many options to choose from, and so you continue reading your current Bible, which of course is wonderful, but maybe want to explore other avenues into deeper study and understanding of God's Word. Our hope is to bring some clarity and simplicity to what we feel like can often be a mysterious process. And so in that spirit, we're going to kick off today with study Bibles. Before we begin actually getting into the ins and outs of study Bibles, we want to just provide a foundation for what study Bibles are. So, Kevin... At a high level, what are study Bibles? They're the Bible with notes. (laughs) No, they're uh, they're really important. I'm really excited about this series. Um, It hasn't been posted yet, but I'm sure we'll have wonderful feedback on our translations. uh, (laughs) No, it's happening. Um, And hopefully, if I, um, as I said last time, we're going to try to try to give you some visual aspects. Hopefully, I'll go find and reactivate my Instagram account and. Well, finish my article on study Bibles because I really think that this is an important step for people to take when it comes mm-hmm. in reading their Bible. It kind of transitions people. Um, you know, you kind of figure out your translation, go listen to our translation from last week, um, and it can really help you go deeper and appreciate the Bible. And simply put, it, it's going to be, broadly speaking, just your Bible with notes to help you understand what's happening. So uh, we'll go through all aspects in a minute, but at, at the most basic, if you have just a plain, you know, thin line Bible, the only thing you're going to have in there is uh, a note here or there, just, uh, you know, a little asterisk or one, two, three, and you look down at the bottom and it'll just be a translation, an editor's note. Mm-hmm. That's the very basic. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about taking a step up from that. And at a minimum, you're going to have maybe chapter by chapter, or, or maybe a tricky passage within a chapter, and it'll be a note about what that is or what mm-hmm. that could mean, and then cross-references. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is especially important with, say, the Gospels. You know, Jesus is doing something. You're like, this sounds familiar. And like, oh, let me go read this account. And yes. Luke, I'm reading it in Matthew, that sort of. Absolutely. And, and we're going to get into a couple of the, the components that are really typical with in-study Bibles. But before we do... I think it's always helpful to understand the history of something, why something was created, when it was created, its general history and purpose. So what is the history of study Bibles? I'd say the history really starts with the printing press because it lets you annotate the book itself. You know, prior to that, the Bible was scrolls. So you, you could find commentaries, they would write them, you kind of read them side by side the way you do today. 
But as soon as we started printing just a large copy of the Bible, whether it was in Latin or you know German, English, people started putting margin notes. Mm-hmm. And so really the first modern kind of true study Bible would be the Geneva Bible with Knox and Calvin and some of those guys in Geneva during the Reformation, helping people to understand, like I said, tricky passages or the cross references. Going back in history, which again would have been on scrolls and not necessarily a book, the way we think about carrying it around, um, there would be called glosses where they would maybe just make a, a, a note possibly over the text um, that would either reference something else or help explain what that word be for future use and future translators. Mm-hmm. Um, so our modern view of study Bibles is a pretty relatively new phenomenon. We're, again, we're talking printing press couple past couple hundred years. Mm-hmm. So it's a unique and uh, fairly recent. Yeah, and so when you're thinking of a reason why you might want to get a study Bible, and you kind of referenced some of this earlier, they can be really helpful because there are often many historical and cultural contexts, for example, that you wouldn't know naturally as you're reading through a text. And so it provides you some of that background and deeper understanding of what you're reading and how to interpret it correctly and how to grow from that experience as well. And as as we've all likely been taught in our churches, interpreting your Bible and reading your Bible on your own needs to be accompanied by community as well. Like there have mm-hmm. to be people speaking into it or it could be a potentially dangerous endeavor on your own, which we'll likely come back to later in the series. Um, but I think that's that's likely one of the biggest sources of depth that you get is from a study Bible. Would you add anything to that as far as why you should get one? Yeah, I think there's there's a pushback, so we'll talk about that real quick. People saying, you know, I, I just want the Bible and that's it. But really, you're talking about 66 individual books written over, what, 1,500, 2,000 years spanning history, mm-hmm. written in different languages, different cultures, the Near East and the Mediterranean. And sometimes it's just helpful to have notes um, just for your understanding, but also one, deeper study as we talk about the types. And sometimes there's there's application, again, mm-hmm. as we talk about the types. So if you really want a deeper understanding, this is really the next step from just reading it plain. And, you know, people are kind of worried about, like I said, you know, why are we putting these things in the Bible? They're not inspired. They're not, you know, we don't, we don't hold them up to Scripture. We don't hold the notes up. I guess we should say that. But they can definitely help you. Most of them come from, you know, publishing houses that are connected to Christian churches and, you know, different denominations. Some are directly from denominations. So they're going to be within that kind of creedal confessional standard of most places. So it lets you understand things, but within that kind of confines of like the history of of, uh, Mm -hmm. interpretation. I think that's valuable. Yeah. And one of the neat things about study Bibles is that there are a lot of different types of Mm -hmm. them. So we're going to take a look at all of those in just a moment. But before we do, one of the things that we thought would be helpful is to really go through what some of the the elements of a study Bible are, what they're typically composed of, what are the different types of notes that can exist. And so we just have a bulleted list here of what some of them could look like, and I'm just going to read it so you can have a sense for what it is. And if you've had a study Bible in the past, you'll likely recognize some of these, but they can be anything from articles that are written explaining certain theological topics. As Kevin mentioned before, there are cross-references that show you different parts of Scripture that are often read and interpreted together or in light of one another. There are translation notes, which we've talked about um, a lot in our first episode, that talk about different ways certain words or concepts are translated across different, uh, different translations. There are often maps and diagrams because I'm not really an expert on the, the ancient <laughs> map and geography of certain areas, nor are many of you. And so it's helpful to be able to see certain aspects of that that infuse your understanding of particular historical things that were happening. 
But that past that, there's also intros to to the books that explain, you know, what is the purpose of Job versus what is the purpose of Revelation? Those are wildly different in what they are. What is the purpose of Proverbs? What is the purpose of Genesis or all of the Gospels? So they introduce those books. There are also often, depending on the type of study Bible, section intros. So when you are getting into, for example, the, the New Testament or you're starting the Old Testament, or if you're starting the Gospels and you're trying to get a, a handle on what the Gospels are before reading each individual book's intro, it gives you some context for what those are in a bigger sense. And then there's just a variety of study notes throughout to explain different concepts and different things that you're reading. And then frequently there's also what we're going to call pastoral notes that take more of an application standpoint as you read a text. How do you then internalize that and apply that in your own life from a pastoral sense? Yeah, I think... The, the, the book intros, the section intros are, are some of the most valuable. I think this is where you really get um, the most from studying the Bible because uh, almost uniformly, and there's some, some will be a paragraph or two, and on some of the bigger study Bibles, those could be two pages, but they're going to tell you, you know, who wrote it, to whom they wrote it, the context, you know, why they wrote it, where they were in history, and those are important for understanding you know, what they're trying to say, what they're getting across. Maybe there'll be some theological notes, you know, if they were defending something. And so, you know, going, it, help, it helps your mind before you get into reading, you know, James to know why James wrote it, why he sent it out, why it was circulated, where it was circulated, and what he was talking about. So you kind of get primed with a basic understanding before you go in. I, I think those are, those are pretty valuable. Even before you then dive in, start reading, and have your actual kind of commentary notes at the bottom. All right, well, we're going to transition and talk about a couple of the types of study Bibles. Now, the first category, we don't really have a name for it, Mm -hmm. but it's what we're going to call the really big boys of study Bibles. And in fact, my notes actually says the big, big boys of study Bibles, the ones that are all-inclusive, that really have all of the elements that we referenced just a few moments ago. And you can typically find these in some of the major translations. The ESV has like a big study Bible. It's just the ESV study Bible. The NIV has an NIV study Bible. And then there is another one in the NRSV called the Oxford NRSV study Bible. And they really just have all the components available to you that we just talked about. And they can be really valuable. Yeah. Yeah. And there's multiple ones and they range inside. There's, there's one I highly recommend. I'm holding it up for y'all in this visual medium. It's an (laughs) NIV, um, it's called the Zondervan Study Bible. Now, this has actually been repackaged, and it's called, I think, the Biblical Theology Study Bible, and they're selling it you know, for like 40 50 bucks. If you can find one of these old prints for the Zondervan Study Bible, which are, are still in print because they're phasing it out, uh, it's like 20 bucks. so I highly recommend that. It's probably the biggest on there, and I'm talking, well, let's give a little context. So a regular thin-line Bible uh, that we talked about earlier, doesn't have any notes, it's just just the Bible. It's going to be roughly a thousand pages. Yeah, which is like visually speaking an inch, maybe an inch and a quarter in height if you're looking at it visually. And then the Zondervan is, and these are, oh, these aren't the same translations, but it's roughly the same. It's just under 3,000 pages. Which is like what, four inches? Maybe three and a half. Three and a half, four inches. And the ESV is slightly smaller than this, uh, and but it's still going to be, I don't know, maybe 25. Um, The new Oxford annotated Bible uh, the NIV study Bible, you're going to look at those. Those are going to be about 2,500 pages. So, I mean, these these are big. They're, and when we say articles, these are full-page articles. They'll be 30 or even multiple pages. There'll be 30, 40 of these. You know, it's a almost a 60, 100-page mm-hmm. mini study in theology. And, and sometimes some of these publishers have actually 
taken out the articles and published them on their own because they're a little kind of theological treatise, you know, talking uh, sin, fall, propitiation, you know, all that kind of tricky things. And those are kind of randomly scattered throughout. Um, but yeah, these the big boys are going to have everything. They're going to have cross-references. They're going to have special sections. They're going to have the longest intros. And they're going to have, and, and this, is, this is one way you can tell you're looking at one. If you're looking at, say, the New Testament or what I just opened up here to, Amos, what's that? Each page is going to be at least half or close to half study notes out on the bottom. Mm-hmm. And they're going to go verse by verse with notes. And then there's all these cool pictures here of fragment and pepperi and whatever. So uh, it's it's a lot. There's yeah. a lot more than the Bible in there, which that came off a little more heretical than it should be. There is a lot to help you understand the Bible. Yes, that's a good way there. to say it, yes. Well, and if any of you listened to our last episode on translations, you heard me mention that I recently transitioned my daily regular Bible from an NIV that you gave me, Kevin, about 10 years ago. And I, I transitioned over into a new translation, the Christian Standard Version. And so that's what I use on a regular basis. And there's some light study notes, but it's nothing in depth. It's just, it's enough to get me through in that that regular study. But I often find myself pulling from a commentary here or there for different things. But what I will say is that one of the neat parts about having one of these large study Bibles, and in particular, I know Kevin mentioned loving this one, is that while I use different sources for different things, one of the things I have loved about having a really big study Bible like this is the value it brings me as someone who leads worship in being able to go. And I I use this every single time I prepare any kind of worship gathering and order of worship as I'm looking at texts to bring forward and how those texts can connect to different songs and theological themes we're talking about. I will use those study notes because they're very in his words, he said it was a, a biblical theology study mm-hmm. Bible. And so it has both elements of biblical study and the- theological study, but it also is written in such a pastoral sense that it takes those concepts and allows me to use them in a pastoral sense as well as I'm preparing for some of those. And so I have found it to be enriching in being able to have that deep well to pull from in different ways. And I don't read it every day, um, but I slowly over time, as I've been pulling from it and learning from it, it it complements a lot of what I've gotten elsewhere. And I think that's the value of even having more than one. Yeah, I, I actually struggle with these for everyday readers because they, uh, I, I get distracted. I start reading the notes or I'll flip around. One thing about these is there's multiple people in these. These these are whole teams. You're going to have uh, maybe 30 people on one of these. And you're going to have different people write each intro. Uh, there'll be a general editor. Uh, for instance, this one I've been talking about, I think D.A. Carson is the general editor. Uh, there's going to be articles. The articles will be written by scholars, uh, some of the more popular ones, and uh, but also some kind of famous pastors. So there's a lot of pastoral notes type in there. Uh, this article has, um, I think there's articles from Kevin DeYoung. There's articles from uh, Tim Keller. And of course, D.A. Carson's written some. So there's a, there's a, there's a lot in here, and it's a, it's a lot of people. It's a very uh, collaborative effort. You're going to get uh, a lot of brain power, a lot of people's thoughts, and um, it it, re- it really just brings that kind of broad uh, evangelical focus, especially the ones we've been talking about. However, we can move on to one of the other types, um, and this is the exact opposite of that, and that's the... Uh, the individual ones, and these are actually probably some of the most famous. I probably should have mentioned this in, in the history. Probably what popularized these once we kind of had the full literacy and um, printing became uh, cheap in America. I've, I've told the story before about my great granddad's Bible that's 200 bucks and there's no notes or anything if you made it today's dollars. 
uh, whereas about the 60s or 70s, they blew up. And one of the most popular is the Schofield Reference Bible. Actually, I have my granddad's copy. And, and then there's others. I believe John MacArthur has his own study Bible. Of course, Wesley made, uh, that's John Wesley made, numerous notes. So you can buy, uh, you know, the Wesley Study Bible. And that, that's actually a pretty big one because he was a fairly prolific writer. Generally, I, I don't necessarily recommend those because kind of opposite of what we were just talking about, you have just one person's thought. And I think that can be maybe fine on pastoral or devotional aspects um, or Bibles like that. But if you're talking like a whole study Bible, a Bible that's supposed to give you about every book of the Bible and commentary on every chapter or verse, I think you're it's, it's going to be lacking. Mm-hmm. One of the other categories and types of study Bibles is what we're going to call a singular focused study Bible. And these just have, like it sounds, a singular focus. So there are theology-focused study Bibles. There's apologetics-focused ones, archaeology-focused ones, and then what we're calling Bible background that offers things like history and culture as you're reading throughout too that have a little bit more of a focus to them. And we have a couple in our house that we've pulled from in different – I know you're a big fan of these. Yeah, we have have the – Yeah, I I go back and forth on these. So I've always liked them. but th- then you realize you need like five or six of them. Mm-hmm. So on the on the list we just have, I have uh, an apologetic study Bible. I have the Reformation study Bible. And again, going back to kind of that size-wise, those are going to be, you know, pretty close to 2,000 pages. So again, it's going to be another 1,000 pages of notes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't have an archaeology, and I've been trying hard not to buy it because, like, you know, <laughs> you can just get the annotated notes or get a, get a yeah. good book, and I have, uh, I have too you many as You do have a problem not buying books. That is, yeah. <laughs> it's well, not buying. That's I like big books. I cannot lie. <laughs> I love it. As you may have just heard, our computer crashed in the middle of recording this. So we are picking up where we left off which was to transition into our next category of study Bibles, which we didn't have a great name for, so we just called it Men's, Women's, Teens, and College. <laughs> it's really a um, almost a, a stage of life, but not quite. So this category, you guys are probably familiar with these. You've seen these throughout the years. You may have had one. We both had a study Bible when we were younger. We both had the... We had the same one, actually. Yeah, the teen... NIV application, right? Life application yeah. Life or something. Application yes, we had Bible. the same one mm-hmm. from growing up. I don't um, think I ever read it. <laughs> so um, these these are typically really narrowly focused, and a lot of the articles that are included are primarily in those areas of life. And so they're relating a lot of what you would read to the life interpretation of being a man or a woman or where you are as a teenager. You know, they're going to tackle teenage problems and issues and how mm-hmm. scripture applies mm-hmm. to them versus the issues you may walk through as an adult and so since those are different the articles and focuses are different and so they have a great purpose and place of course and that is a particular category of them and have a lot of value for um, for those specific purposes too yeah and in these you know the intro are going to be a little bit shorter you know the intro to say matthew is going to be a little bit shorter you may not even get an intro to the new testament and then the commentary notes at the bottom let's just grab one here um you know those big study bibles we were talking about earlier you know, you're going to be half the page on this one I'm holding. That's, what is that, a tenth of the page maybe? So it's, it's not going to be nearly as much because that's not really its purpose. There'll be some articles. Uh, probably a lot of guys out there had this. The uh, Of course, I'm drawing a blank while I'm looking at it. The Everyman's Bible. I know a lot of people maybe are unhappy with Everyman right now, but um, this was an NLT, I think. The New Living Translation it was pretty good. I have a Collegiate Devotional Bible somebody got me. That's an NIV. And again, as we kind of went down on the scale of these things, um, if your typical Bible is 1,000 pages, this is going to be about eh, twelve to 1,500. They're 
they're they're really good intro i mean that's especially like a teens or college is going to be much much less intense and it's Mm -hmm. mainly going to be those articles and um probably most of them what half are going to be about dating or oh my god all all the teen ones i can almost remember the kind of articles that were in it back then about some of the issues you ran into it would actually be a fun exercise and just nostalgia to go back and read some of those or even the the notes because that was probably one of the last times i really heavily underlined the way I did when I was, <laughs> that's just kind of funny to think of the things that would have been in those spaces. But the next category, and probably the last category <clears throat> before we have one caveat at the end, was is what we're going to call lifestyle study Bibles. And these are one that I don't think I realized until talking a little bit more with you about how many there are out there. And I don't know if you want to talk about the popularity of the Bible and some of the, the publishing industry and what it's been doing in the past couple of years. Sure. The I think most people know the Bible's the you know greatest selling book of all time, however many trillion copies or I don't even know. But the Bible's also the best selling book every year. So it was the best selling last year, the year before, twenty years ago. It will be next year. Who knows? Maybe in ten, twenty years it won't be. But right now it is massive, and that is one of the criticisms. Is um, you know they'll keep narrowing it down or making them too focused on like this little niche or, or about this and, and they're dropping the notes and they're putting just kind of random articles in there and if you listen to uh, white horse in which you should be uh they're one of our major competitors they uh, <laughs> they um they'll they'll go to um like conferences that are for christian publishers and they'll talk to these guys who who uh who publish these and they'll say, man, you you created five new studies. And this would be one publisher, right? Five new study Bibles this year. And you had three last year. And and why do you keep publishing them? They, they say people keep buying them. Yeah. That's it. Well, and, and what are a couple of examples for those who don't know? Like you told me that one that you've looked at and kind of been tempted by is what? I, I have been tempted. <laughs> so, you know, and it may not even necessarily be a study Bible, but it'd be, uh, that's why we have in our note, Lifestyle. Uh, there may be some notes or cross references. It'll be a little bigger, but it, it's like a theme, you know. And yeah. it'll be um, there. There's a sportsman one. It's for fishers, hunters. Um, it's actually camo. It's waterproof and it floats. So <laughs> to cool. be fair, it's been very tempting. Uh, I can only find it in King James, so I haven't bought it yet. But something like that, honestly, just should not exist. And and don't don't misunderstand us. We're we're doing a whole podcast about why you should have a study Bible. I believe in study Bibles, but we also are trying to help you understand the types of out there and some you should avoid. Some of them aren't really study Bibles. They are just your Bible, which is good, but with like weird articles that aren't necessarily true. There's the famous Patriot Bible, which came out last year, and there's some bad history notes put in there sporadically but for the most part i don't even think they do commentary in it yeah so you think you're getting uh, a study bible something to help you learn and it's not and of course it's expensive because they know people will buy Mm -hmm. it because there's a flag on the front but even worse is they will put like the u.s constitution the words Mm -hmm. to not america the beautiful is it god bless america god bless america um lee greenwood i think signs Mm -hmm. the inside page and Mm -hmm. there's the words there so again study notes are not scripture you know a good intro to james is not scripture an introduction to poetry is not scripture we don't hold it up there but there's something even worse and even lower of putting secular documents and secular songs in a book and trying to claim that it's a study Mm -hmm. bible and I, i find that deeply problematic an example of just the industry I don't want to say taking advantage of us, but that's that's kind of what it is. Mm-hmm. They they know people will buy. I mean, look at me. I'm so. What do we have? How many study Bibles we have on there? Twelve. So like, 
people buy them. And, uh, you know, and some of these are nonprofits, some are ministries, and some go, you know, support good work. But it, it is a business. And um, and I, I think that's a con. And, you know, search, look, you know, look into it, look in reviews. There's tons of articles out there. People have videos. Um, they kind of flip through them and explain them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but some of them just, they aren't real. So we want to go into some yeah. recommendations maybe for if someone's looking for something or... Well, I, I think, uh, yeah, in, in that category specifically or just in general. Because yeah. I know we have one more sure. not quite study Bible category, but something that's kind of related that I know we wanted to mention. And yeah, a, there's a, a few different things. If you do want to study a, a parallel Bible that I have, and so a parallel Bible is one where it will go either page by page or um, maybe column by column. So I have a, a two... Um, a, a two, a one that has two. It has the NASB and it has the Amplified. And on each page, I have a column. So it basically be a chapter, and it's a chapter in those two translations. Uh, I've seen these as big as four, and, um, and usually in those you can get uh, something with very literal, and you can get something that's very thought for thought. If you go back and listen to our um, translations one, and and kind of things in between, so it can help you understand. So that's. Again, there's not really study Bible notes, but mm-hmm. I think those are valuable for, for study. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I just want to make sure we hit that. But I don't know. Yeah, if you have any particular recommendations, I think we, we definitely can share. You probably have more than I do. I'm a little bit simpler when it comes to study Bibles. I typically work from one or two at a time, whereas as you really can't see in front of us right now, there are <laughs> quite a few. And I think I actually get a lot of value from you having some money because if I need something <laughs> else, I can just go to one of yours to find an answer or a different thing that I'm looking for. But you probably have some recommendations. Yeah, maybe. Probably in the most popular, you know, we mentioned the ESV study Bible. That's probably going to be the most popular in our circles and our listeners. Again, I think it's a little narrow. Uh, it's interesting because a lot of the authors in that are also the authors in the Zondervan. But the Zondervan is going to be a little broader evangelical the ESV is going to be a little more narrow as far as reformed. And we talked a little bit about what that can mean. Um, you know, theologically, they're also going to be exclusively complementarian, you know, and you're not going to hear much about other sides on that. One that's a little academic and, you know, if you're in a Bible study in college level or maybe eh, maybe some seminaries would recommend this. As a study Bible, certainly you get commentaries when you were in seminary, would be um, the new Oxford Annotated Bible. It's probably the most popular study Bible, you know, in the world. Again, it's tied to the NRSV. And again, the anglicized version of that is going to be the most popular throughout the world. Um, And that's broadly ecumenical. So what's kind of weird about that one is you won't have like, because Christ died for us, we should feel free. It's just going to be straight kind of uh, academic notes. So I don't know that recommend that for people other than for study Mm -hmm. um i I think i think the problem with some of the big ones is like i said you can get distracted with them earlier also you know i mean it's like three pounds you know and it's you can barely hold it with one hand it it, it's difficult you know you think about going on a retreat Mm -hmm. with your church or with some group you're probably not like going off into the woods with that but they're good for study Uh, i think the right size is probably some of those um Theology ones. The Apologetic Study Bible is good. You can get that in a couple translations. The Reformation Study Bible. There's also another one that's similar to that. I think it's like the Reformed Heritage. Hmm. Um, You can find those in some translations. Those are going to be good because there's going to be kind of intenser theologically. Um, 
and they're gonna have good studying notes and yeah. I think I think it's a good size on that so maybe I'd say if you don't have one yet maybe maybe look for something like yeah. that especially especially if something piques your interest if you're like man I'm really interested in apologetics people say that Paul didn't write Galatians right the intro into that will be about why we know that Paul wrote it uh, the archaeological study Bible you say man ancient Near East history is really fascinating it helps me to understand Genesis get the archaeological study Bible. So they're going to be not as intense, not as big, have great study notes while you're reading. Um, so I think I think that'd be my recommendation to start yeah. with something like that. I think I would add to that um, the two main ones that I've worked from in the recent past, one I mentioned in the last episode on translations, and I think I mentioned earlier in this one was it's, a, it's an NIV study Bible that Kevin bought for me more than a decade ago, and it was the Quest version of oh, the yeah. study Bible. And it was good, and it was it was a nice... It was a nice entry point into study mm-hmm. Bibles. I really liked it. It had it had a lot of really helpful notes on all the pages, and it wasn't overly cumbersome to read through it. And it, it served me really well for quite some time. Uh, but I will put a, a little caveat that I just transitioned over to um, a, a new Bible, a new daily Bible. And it is a study Bible, but it's a light version. It doesn't have all of the elements. It has a couple intros to books, and it has some maps and some cross-references and some small articles that are a little more pastoral in nature, but it's through She Reads Truth, for anyone who may be familiar with that. And one of the things that I love about it is not only is the is the translation really nice, and I like the way that they've, um, they've put together a lot of the elements, but it is beautiful. And so there is something that has been stirred in me as I read the pages of this Bible. And if anyone wants to Google this and find this and doesn't already know, it has just so much beauty on its pages. There are verses that are pulled out that just have this wonderful inscripted watercolor treatment on them. And it just, it elevates and makes the word of God look beautiful. And there's something that's been neat as I've done that. And I haven't really ever had a Bible that's had Mm -hmm. that kind of treatment on it, but it's been, it's been a really unique and different and enjoyable experience. I, I sit and it just feels beautiful in a way that I think the Word of God should. And so just from a completely different perspective, I really enjoyed it. And it's also a really solid translation, but I find myself just delighted when I get to open it up, which may sound so silly, but it it's just lovely. Well, if someone wants to mock that, go back and look at the Gutenberg Bible. Yeah. Go look at the Geneva Bible. Go look at the Bishop's Bible. And, and you want to hold this up as the Word of God, something we want to revere. Of course, we don't worship the Bible. We worship the Word. But yeah. It's kind of like churches from hundreds of years ago to hundred years or whatever had stained glass, and yeah. now we really don't. So yeah. this isn't really technically your book there, which maybe sounds silly to some people. Your book, your version of the Bible there, <laughs> it, it's nothing new. It's going back to the way people studied it for hundreds yeah. of years and tried to inspire people. Um, yeah, so I, I mean, why not make the Word of God look beautiful? Because mm-hmm. it is a beautiful thing. So it's I don't know. It's just kind of a little a little side side thing there that I've been enjoying about it a lot. I think that's probably where we'll wrap up as far as our discussion on the different types. Again, our main hope in this and one that aligns with our, our core purpose and hope here in general at the Modern Cloister is that these discussions really encourage you to want to read the Bible more and help provide a lot of clarity and understanding to some pieces of that that are difficult and often confusing as you're looking through translations and study Bibles and commentaries and that by discussing it, it makes it seem more accessible because Reading the Word of God is how we all cultivate in ourselves deeper thinking and deeper worshiping of the God of the universe. And so that is our hope that it helps inspire you to know God more. 
With that, we will close. We encourage you and invite you to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Subscribing in particular helps you get the episodes as soon as they are out. As we've mentioned in some of our recent episodes, we are going to be releasing material as we have it available and not on a particular set schedule. So subscribing allows you to get it right when it's out. We also encourage you to connect with us on social media. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Carissa Turner. And you, you said you were making a resurgence onto the gram. Getting back on the gram. <laughs> so, and I don't, is it, is it, I think am it's I the? DJ Kevin Turner. DJ Kevin? I'm okay. pretty sure. We should have. If you go to before. mine, you can find him through me. <laughs> find her. There'll be pictures and things. Um, also, try to occasionally write things at moneymorningtheologian.com. Yep. And uh, you can find us at moderncloister.com. Until next time, we'll see you then. Bye.